Are you ready for the word this morning? It's good. Kylie's going to hand out a bit of paper. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you for that you call us, as Marcelo reminded us, to have a, to have a, a, a good attitude, an attitude that loves people, that's willing to serve, that's willing to give. And, and God, we want to thank you um, for the attitude that you put in us by your spirit, and that's the fruit of your spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, and the self-control. Father, continue to transform us, we pray. Continue to make us more and more like Jesus. And Father, as we come under your word today, that we will choose to be obedient to your will. You'll give us ears to hear what you're saying, God. Hearts that are open to receive from you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. Good. Well, friends, this is now our third week in our series. You can leave that bit of paper for the moment. You put it down. We'll get to it in a few moments. This is the third week in our series, Forward Together. Everyone say, Forward Together. Forward together. Yeah, and we've been talking about what does it mean for us to move forward in our marriages. We haven't got there yet, but we're going to talk about what does it mean to move forward in business, what does it mean to move forward in ministries, in family situations, and also as churches. Because we all know that... Just because you are together doesn't mean you are together. Who remembers what I'm talking about? This is all recap, isn't it? Good. If you're asleep, I'm sorry about that, but stay with me. It's good to be revised, isn't it, teachers in the room? You've got to go back over your previous lesson before you start your next one. Just because you are together doesn't mean you are together, and that can be true in marriages, businesses, ministries, and even churches. And we've been talking about what does it mean for us as LifeGate Church to move forward together? And we looked at um, Psalm 133 in our first week, and we're going to top and tail it. This is what the psalmist writes, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity, and then at the bottom, for there the Lord bestows his blessing. When people are in unity, it's there God pours his blessing out. And in Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes, what unity looks like in verse 2 in blue. He says, They make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Your attitude should be that um, as the same as the Lord Jesus Christ. And we summarize Philippians chapter 2 in two ways. Number one, have the same vision. And treat people well. If you want to be unified, if you want to move forward together, have the same vision and treat people well. And over the last two weeks, we've looked at what does it mean for LifeGate Church to be unified around the same vision? What are the things that are really important to us that keep us going in the same direction? And in the first week, we, I spoke about our vision. I looked at Luke chapter 4 and I explained to you how we got the vision that we got to see people live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus offers. And then last week, I launched our values. Who can remember what they are? Come on, someone at the back of the room. Values. Kyle, you're at the front of the room. Rachel. Good and take action. Great job. Thank you. you you're, you're the head of the class. Mark's going to get beat up after church today for the, following the Maroons. You're going to be celebrated. It's really good. Our, value, our vision and our values. Values get real, take action. Because friends, if, if, if we want to live lives in the freedom that Jesus has for us, we need to firstly get real about what's going on and then take action in order to get that freedom. 
If we want to live in the purpose that God has for our lives, firstly, we've got to get real about what's the thing that God's calling us to and then take action to, to, to live it out. On um, Monday night, we had an, a, a wonderful time at Life Group. It was wonderful. Um, I'm part of Annette and Sam Riley's Life Group. Um, and we talked about this a little bit, and then we went around the group and shared, is it a freedom thing that you need to get? Is there something that you need to get free of? Or is there something around your purpose that our God is challenging you on? We are got real. We said what it was, and then we talked about what's the action step. It was a great night. Who was there? Had a great night? It was great, yeah. It was a great night. This morning, what I want to do, I uh, want to give you the uh, third message around LifeGate Church and about, um, around direction, around vision, around the things that are most important to us. And then next week, we're going to have a young adult service. We're going to celebrate our young adults, and the young adults are going to be preaching. And then Ken's going to speak for a few weeks, and then we're going to have a children's service, and, the, and we're going to have a ringmaster, and I believe, and they're going to be kids stuff going everywhere. It's a pretty exciting time coming up as we move forward together. That's all coming. But this week, I, I, I want to look at... Um, firstly, the goals briefly, and then I want to give you six things that will help you live in the freedom and the purpose that, 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 Jesus, has for, that Jesus has for your life. So let's have a look at that, that piece of paper I gave you first up. And, and on one side where all the writing is, start there. We've um, got our 2020 goals. Now, I'm not going to read these out to you because you are adults and you can read, I'm assuming. So um, there are five goals. In, back in 2015, um, as an eldership team, we sat down and we said, where do we want to be by 2020? And we, and we created five goals as a way of saying, here's our focus. The first goal is around the vision, to see people live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus offers. We are given an explanation of what that looks like. And I'm, and I'm going to read this out because I think it's really cool. This is what we hope to see by 2020. Our church family is comprised of people who are real about their current situation and take action to live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for their lives. They recognize they have struggles and are deliberate to find freedom. They know what God has called them to and are deliberate about achieving God's purpose for their lives. These people have healthy relationships, invest in others, and are deliberate about sharing their faith. I love that. Imagine if we're all like that. That'd be pretty cool. And then it talks about how we're going to achieve that goal. Goal two is around developing our leadership team. Goal three is, is um, having a greater focus on outreach. We're not good at that. For some reason, we're not seeing people come to Christ as we would like to see. And that's, so that's one of our goals. Goal four is around redeveloping this facility. And number five is around attendance. If uh, you were part of the church in August last year, we, we launched this in August. We got your feedback and it was all positive. So that's where we're headed. There's some goals. Oops, you can put that under your seat if you like, and we'll come back to that later. What I want to do now is I want to I give you this morning six things that I would love every single person here who calls LifeGate Church to have as part of their world. And the reason I want to emphasize these things is because I believe these things can set you up to see the vision of LifeGate fulfilled in your life. If you grab these six things and are deliberate about them, you'll be deliberate in getting real and you'll be deliberate about taking action. These six things underpin, if you like, help us achieve the vision that God has for our lives. Are you ready for them this morning? Kelly is. Anyone else? Good, thank you. First one is this. Your personal time with Jesus. 
How are you going with your personal time with Jesus, your quiet time? The time where you set aside to spend time with God. I was speaking to someone this week and they said to me, Nathan, I, uh, don't, have a, I, I don't really have a, a set quiet time because I, I uh, talk to God all day long. And I want to say that's better. That's better. If you can commune with God and, and you've and, and you got the scriptures out on your phone as you go about your day, that's best. That's awesome. But for most of us, putting aside a short amount of time, that works for us and it's an important part of our day. For some of us, it needs to be first thing in the morning. Others of us, others of us drive to work, and this is Nikki Freeman. She drives to the, the hospital early, sits in the car, does her quiet time, then gets out of the car and goes to work. That's how she does it. Others of us do this at lunchtime. Others of us do it in the afternoon. Some of them, the mums who are kids sleeping do it. Kath does this in the afternoon when Lily's sleeping. She does her time with Jesus. For some of us, it's, it's just before we go to bed. Whenever you do it, do it. It's vital. Look what the scripture says. The, uh, psalm, the psalmist writes in Psalm 119, the word of God, the Bible, the scriptures, is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Friends, if you want direction in life, if you want to know how to live, if you want to know where to go, the word of God is full of direction for us for life. It, it shows us God's path for us. Friends, but let's be people of the word. The second scripture from John 10, Jesus says, My sheep, those people who follow me, they know my voice. And so the Bible is, is, is God's words to us, and that is vital. But there's also the times when, when a God grabs a verse from the scripture and it comes alive and, that, and God says, that's for you today. Other times you're praying and God drops a thought into your mind. Other times he gives you a picture, he gives you visions, he gives you dreams. God speaks to us lots and lots of different ways. And friends, as we spend time with him, don't just read the word, but be saying, God, Jesus, what are you saying to me today? God, what is your word for me today? And the third thing there, it says this, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Friends, if Jesus, the Son of God, put time aside to pray, the one who knew the Father more than any of us, if he, if he took time to pray, what does it say about us? Friends, your personal time with Jesus. You know, for me, this is where it's at. The next five things are great and we should have them as part of our life, but without this, I'm, I'm lost, really. I've got to have that time with Jesus. It's a thing that keeps me um, found solid, it keeps me my, my, my feet on the ground, it keeps me listening to God. That's most important, your time with Jesus. You ready for the second one? How's the temperature in the room this morning? We're cold. Cold, what's wrong with this? Are you cold? You got, you got this going on, Melody. You're okay? Uh, do we need to turn the heat on? Is Neville here this morning? We're okay? We're okay? All right, good. Second one. Get a mentor. How many people have got a mentor in the room? Hands down. How many people are mentoring somebody else? Can I encourage you to do both? If you're a brand new Christian, maybe mentoring isn't the best thing. If you're starting out in a role, maybe maybe not mentoring is the best thing. But if you've been following Jesus for some time and you've got something to offer, mentor another person. Look what the scripture says here in 2 Timothy. Paul mentored Timothy. 
And in this passage, it gives us a glimpse about their mentoring relationship. It says, you, however, this is Paul writing to Timothy, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. You know, when you're a mentor, you want to share your life with the person you're mentoring. You want to share the things that have gone well. You want to share your struggles. You want to share the things that you've learned because as a mentor, you've got something to offer. And as mentors, we want to offer life, our life, to the person that we're mentoring. Then look what happens in verse 14. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. You know, the mentor here firstly encourages the person that he's mentoring. He says in verse 14, continue in what you've learned. Hey, I recognize that gift in you. Hey, I can see that God's doing this in you. Continue that. I want to encourage you. I want to spur you on to the things that God calls you to. And then he also instructs them. He says, um, continue in what you've learned and how from infancy you've known the scriptures. Encourage them to be in the word, to, con- to um, encourage them to continue in the faith that he started. My experience of mentoring, and some people call it coaching, other people call it discipling, whatever word you want to put on it, our general word's mentoring, and it's going to look differently for, different for different people. I was about um, 23 years of age. I was up at a Katoomba Christian convention, and it was, um, they uh, did a, a three-year leadership thing once every, I think it was over Christmas or Easter, I can't remember, but it was a week at a time. And uh, one of the electives was on discipleship, and I, and I thought I should go to it. And, and when I went to it, it was really all about mentoring. And, and when I heard it, I went, this is awesome. I need this in my life. I never had this. I never had anyone who was deliberate to come alongside me and say, Nathan, how are you going? Nathan, what are your struggles? Nathan, what are you excited about? That never happened when I was a young man in my teenagers. That didn't happen until my late 20s. And, 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 and as someone, actually, that's not quite true. Early 20s, because of the story I'm about to tell you. So I'm about 24 years of age, 44 years of age. I hear this mentoring thing and say, I need this. So I went back to, to the church that I was a part of, and I asked the guy to mentor me. Now, the problem with the guy I asked is that he didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know how to do it, and it was a bit of a fail. It was nice to hang out, but we didn't do the things that we needed to do. He wasn't trained. We didn't know what we were doing. It didn't work. So for us, on our, um, we have resources to help you on Elvanto. And if you haven't got access to Elvanto, email the office, admin at LifeGate, and Larissa will give you a contact. And there's 15 resources in how to mentor. I wrote them. That means they're, keep it simple, stupid, clear, simple, easy to follow, because that's who I am. Keep it simple, stupid, clear. So if you're unsure of what to do, there's resources there to help you, because I don't want you to be, I don't want you to feel like you're not equipped. But then after that experience, I, I then had a number of other mentors a guy named Craig Farmer mentored me for a while. A guy named Mike Hardy mentored me for a while. And I, and I still have my current mentor, Larry Galbraith, from Epping Church of Christ, who's come and preached here, and he's a wonderful man. And whenever I get stuck, I give him a call. Hey, Larry. I rang him last week. Hey, Larry, this has happened. What do you think? 
and he's just someone I can talk to. Now, he doesn't do the formal mentoring as, as, as I would like it. I would like it to be more structured than, than what he gives me. But, but what he does do, he says, Nathan, how are you going? I know that I can talk to him about anything. When I'm away, for when I was over in America or in England, he rang Michelle up and said, hey, Michelle, how are you going? And Michelle thinks that's awesome. Michelle calls him Larry Boy. Larry Boy. And she really likes him. Um, Michelle thinks he's really good for me. Yes, he's good for me. Um, And he asked me, how's your walk with the Lord? How's church going? How's life? And to have that person in your world can have such an impact. Um, I've had the privilege of mentoring lots of people, and I still have lots of people that I mentor. And I think that the... The uh, change that you see in mentoring is resounding. I'd much prefer to do a one... No, I shouldn't say that. I think, I think sometimes there's much more fruit in me spending one hour with someone in a mentoring situation than it is for me to speak to this group, sometimes. Because I can get real with them. They can get real with me that, that we can't do at this level because you don't feed back at me. And that I can encourage them to take action in their specific area. Get a mentor. Mentor others. That's a big push on that one, isn't it? That's two. Four to go. Number three. Are you ready for this? Get in a life group. Our life groups are small groups. Up to 12 people where you get to do life together. You know, the problem with um, our church is that we're getting bigger and bigger. And you don't know everyone. And for, I'm trying to catch up. And I'm the pastor. I think Ken and Kerry might know every name. I don't know the, these little kids going around. I'm sorry, but I don't, I don't know their names. I'm going, who's that? Who do you belong to? I'm not too sure how it all works. And you know what? That's okay. Because as the church get bigger, we can't expect to know everyone. But everyone needs to be known by a smaller group of people called a life group. As we get bigger friends, we need to get smaller Groups where you can journey together, where you can support each other, where you can encourage each other, where you can say, hey, I'm struggling, I need help, and it's perfectly okay. Look what the scripture says here in Hebrews 10. Let us hold unswervingly, unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. I love this verse. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but rather encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Now in this setting where there's lots of people in the room, you know, I can encourage you from the front and you can encourage each other at morning tea, but it's really with all the noise, they're really only short conversations and it's more of a high and by rather than an in-depth, encouraging, spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. And friends, in a life group, you can do that. You can get to know each other really, really, really well. Have people in your homes. Invite them to your family parties. Get them connected. Do life with them. Support them. Encourage them to see the, the vision that we have for a church lived out in their lives. You know, it's interesting if you keep reading... Hebrews chapter 10, you get to about verse 34. It talks about the situation that, the peop- that these readers were in. They were in a place of great persecution. It talks about how these believers were having their property confiscated. They were treated poorly. Some were even chucked in prison for their faith. That's the context of Hebrews chapter 10. 
that in the place of persecution, in the place of hardship, you need to gather together more regularly in friends. Australia is in a time that we've never seen before. I don't think there's ever been a time in the last hundred or something years that Christianity has been persecuted like it is today. I don't know if you saw the article by um, a journalist named Andrew Bolt. Who's anyone heard of Andrew Bolt? Now, he's not a Christian, but, but, but he wrote an article about how Christians are being persecuted in Australia. He says, let me, this is what he writes it's in the Telegraph, was on, I found it online. He writes, um, this is how Christians, and he's not a Christian, this is how Christians are being persecuted in Australia. He gives some examples. Number one, the Greens, the Green Party, oh my goodness, the Greens this week say they want to strip churches of their right to discriminate, actually their freedom to insist their employees live the faith. So what they're saying is that I don't have to be a Christian to be the pastor. And if you discriminate against me because I'm not a Christian and I want to be your pastor, you can get in trouble for that. Is that stupid? Ready for the next one? Sydney University Student Union. Sydney University Student Union threatened to deregister the evangelical the evangelical union, the like evangelical CBS at New South Wales. You know, you know, yeah. So the student union wanted to deregister the EU, the evangelical union, unless it stopped insisting its members declare their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, apparently, that's not quite true. But but but, but what they're focusing on is that they're saying that. The, the, the executive, the boss, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, group of students who run the evangelical union, if you say that they have to be followers of Jesus, you're actually discriminating against everyone else in the university, therefore we're going to deregister you. How stupid is that? Of course you need Jesus followers to lead a Jesus movement. It doesn't make any sense. That's what they're out to do in this nation against us. Third one. Christian lobby group Family Voice Australia this week accused Facebook of deleting one of its pages arguing against same-sex marriage. Now, it wasn't a bad um, Facebook page. It was honouring, but they were simply stating the case why same-sex marriage isn't, isn't a good thing. And you know what Facebook did? They pulled the page down. There's lots of pages celebrating same-sex marriage, but to say that it's not okay, friends, Christianity is being persecuted in this nation. I met with our federal member, whose name escapes me. What's his name? David Coleman, a couple of weeks ago. And he said to me, we're meeting in the foyer, and he said, Nathan, are there any issues? And I said, we have a big one. Is that Christians are being persecuted in Australia? And he said, I know. I said, what are you going to do about it? I said, we have religious freedom. It's okay for that person to have their view, but it's not okay for me to have my view. Friends, in this stage where... The heat is rising on Christianity, and I don't see it getting any easier. I can only see it getting worse. This scripture from Hebrews 10, written in the context of persecution, becomes even more important. Don't give up meeting together, but rather encourage one another, spur one another on to live in love and good deeds. Encourage one another in our faith, and that needs to happen as we gather together. Be in life groups, friends. Gather in small groups. They will help you live life in all that God has for you. Is that okay? Number four. Sundays. There's a picture of our website. He's a good looking man. Look at that fella. Wow. 
Isn't he fabulous? Yeah. What do you think, wife? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. Let me tell you why Sundays are important. Sundays are important because you hear the word of God taught. You listen to what God is saying to you this morning because I go, God, what do you want to say to your people today? So hopefully what I'm saying is what God is saying to you. Hopefully. When you gather on a Sunday, it's where the vision of the church is cast. It's a place where you get to connect with the wider group. You get to hear testimonies, and we had two this morning, of what God is doing in people's lives. You get to worship together with a live band that you don't get to do in other places. You feel part of something that's bigger than yourself, bigger than your life group, bigger than your family. You get an opportunity to use your gifts, and a whole, people, a whole stack of people are serving in children's ministry right now. A rise in power, morning tea, setting up, welcoming, worship team, people serving everywhere. It's an opportunity for you to use your gifts. You know, on Sundays we have a focus on children, and we should have a focus on children, because when children gather together in a church, they say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm not alone. There's a whole stack of people who are followers of Jesus. Jesus. And you know what? As, as kids go from, to that school and that school and that school, and they go to that school for six years, they leave, they go to another school, and they do that till the end of high school, and then they find a whole new bunch of friends, but... When you're part of a church for many, many years, your church friends grow up with you through school changes as you finish school and you have these friends for, friends for life. I love that about church. You know, they, um, 50 years ago, if, if you were a Christian and a fair income Christian in Australia, you were at church every single Sunday and night. And then it dropped. So three and four, come to church three out of four weeks. And then it dropped, I come to two in three weeks. And then it dropped to one in two. That's where we're at now, friends. Most of us come to church one in two. And in the Shire, I hear it's one in three. We go to church one in every three weeks. Now you might think, is that me? Maybe I did that. This isn't about you, it's about us. And I think as we think about this, it's... It points to what's important to us. What's important to us? What are, we, what are we declaring to our spouses, to our children, about the important things in life? You know, we are go to work. If you go to work, you go to work every day. But Sunday, well, I feel a bit tired today. Well, if I'm tired during the week, I still go to work. But if I'm tired on a Sunday, well, I'll have, I'll have a sleep in. Or, oh, true. I got a cold. If I got a cold during the week, I still go to work. But on a Sunday, I chew. Oh, no. Now, if you've got an infectious disease and you're going to spread it, stay at home. We don't want you here, right? Unless you get prayer in the 840 and you get healed, then you can stay, right? But otherwise, buzz off. Little colds, we don't mind them, right? But the reality is, we, church become on the priorities list way down here where... How important is it really? Now, I also want to say this, that sometimes it's better not to come to church. Because it, like Marcelo talked about his mate Arthur today. Now, if, if, if Arthur wanted to talk to him and there was no time during the week and the only time Arthur had was a Sunday morning, don't come to church. Spend time with Arthur. Talk about Christ, leading to Jesus. We have to hold things in perspective here. But let's make Sundays a priority because like I read out all the benefits of Sunday, Sundays will help you and your children 
and your families. Live, in the, live the life that God has for you. Live in freedom. Fulfill the purpose as you're encouraged, as you're challenged, as you get people to pray for you, as we take communion together. Something special about Sundays. And I'm going to throw a little thing in here. I'm going to say sorry before I say it. Sorry, everyone, for this. I'm sorry for this. Everyone's going to listen really carefully. Now, during the week, if you turn up late to work every day, what's your boss going to say to you? You'll, you'll get a couple of warnings, but it's okay to come late to church, isn't it? Oh, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Number five, serving. Serving, number five. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 to 8. Are you uncomfortable? Sorry. Let's move on. Love me. I love you very much. Romans chapter 12, 4 to 8. Serving. Look at what it says. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, Verse 5, so in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace God has given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith, friends. And I want to say this as an aside, if we're in worship or if you sense God saying something to you during the worship service and it's for an individual... Share it with the individual. If it's for the church, bring it to the person who sits, usually me or Michelle or Ken or Kylie, someone who sits here, say, I have a word for the church, share it with them. And if they think it's appropriate, we'll get you to share it with the church. We want to do that. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it Cheerfully. Friends, three things about this scripture. Number one, every part of the body is important. Every single one of us is important. Second thing, every part has a function. Every part, every person here has a place within God's body at LifeGate Church. And the third thing I want to say is this use your gifts in the body. Now, this verse in Romans chapter 12 is in the context of the church and using your gifts within the church. Now, we have teaching gifts, we teach outside, and we should. If you have administration gifts, do that outside. If it's whatever it is, leading, lead. If you're giving, give give in every area of life, we should be doing these things. But friends, this verse is talking specifically about the serving, using your gifts within the church setting. So friends, how are you using your gifts here? Are you serving at LifeGate Church? Every one of you is important. God has placed you here. You all have a part. And God wants us all to serve. And friends, there are many, many places to serve. If you are new to our church, that's understandable if you're not serving yet because you're still trying to work out who we are, where we fit, and that's important. But if you're in with the vision, if you're in with the values, if you're in with the stuff I'm talking about today, I encourage you to serve. Life group leaders... Life group leaders, you need to know who's in your group. You need to know their gifts in their group so you can encourage them in the area where they can serve. If you're not serving, ask me, ask Cam. We're happy to point you in the right direction. Our vision nights, we have that welcome to LifeGate every, once every four months for those who are new to our church where we explain this is who we are and this is some of our ministries where you can get involved. 
This vision night, we have all those teams that are meeting. If one of those teams tickles your fancy, come along, check it out, find out some more information. We're trying to make it easier for people to serve. Friends, use your gifts. God wants you to use them. We want you, we want you to use them. Last one this morning. Oh, I haven't said this. Should I say it? I should say it. Serving is an attitude. You brought this up this morning, Marcelo. Serving is an attitude. Serving is an attitude. You know, I hear people say, oh, church doesn't really do much for me, for me, so I'm not really interested. Life group doesn't really do much for me, so I'm not really interested because it's about you. Stop making it about you. Sorry again, everyone. Sorry. Stop making it about you and come with an attitude to serve others. You know what? I, do I come to church for me? Now, I'm paid, but for 15 years I wasn't paid and I came to church not for me, but to serve others. If you come to church with an attitude to serve others, and that is serving in the different ministries, but it's also at morning tea. How are you? How is your walk with Jesus? Encourage someone. That's serving them. If you come with that attitude, you know what? You'll be blessed. Go to your life group with the attitude of, who can I encourage today? Who can I pray for today? Who can I stand alongside today? If you do that, you will be blessed. You will be encouraged. Serving is an attitude. Last one. Sharing Jesus. Romans chapter 10. And this is one of our goals. We need a greater focus on outreach. We don't do this well. We aren't seeing many people come to know Christ. That is a problem. That is a problem. Why is that? Um, that? Maybe we're not praying for unbelievers. Maybe we're not deliberate in sharing our faith. Maybe, I don't know the answer to this. But we need to be deliberate. Romans chapter 10 says this, How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they preach without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent, as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? Friends, I, I love Fiona's story this morning of having people in her home and talking about God and inviting the family into the home. That's where it's at. Now, we were, we're not into running big crusades at the church. Come, come these nights and invite someone, we'll, we'll bring a guest preacher in. We don't do that, but, but, but what we encourage is for you, for me, to invite people into our homes, to invite people to share their story with you. You share your story with them. Invite them to an event of our church, like a picnic or an Easter egg hunt or, in, or the football night on Wednesday We are deliberately put together a next, this is on your document, have a look at this one, a next step strategy where we've put about how do we move people? How do we deliberately go, what's the next step for this person? Well, if someone's your neighbor or a friend, invite them to your home and share your story with them or invite them to a ministry of our church, a Groovers Kids Club or um, the community dinner or the playtime there are things that you can invite them to. And if they're interested in Christ and they're interested in faith, hey, my pastor put this thing together. It's called Foundations. I'd love to work, I'd love to work you through that. 
It's an hour at a time. It's over five one-hour gaps. Sit down with them in your time. And it talks about the foundations of the Christian, Christian faith. And then invite them to a church service. Invite them to your life group. But we want you to have conversations about faith first. And if you're not comfortable to do that, well, firstly, get comfortable. But if that doesn't work for you, invite them to your home with someone who is comfortable in sharing faith and have a conversation there. Friends, we need to do better at outreach. We need to be more deliberate. We need to be more, be more prayerful. Love people, share with people to see people come to know Christ. I started by saying I wanted to share with you six things, and I've done that. You know, if, if you put these six things in your world, it's going to help you live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus offers. It's going to help you get real, and it's going to help you take action. So how are you going with the six? So um, get six fingers, however you work it out. And I want you to, if you're, if you're doing this one well, leave your finger up. If it's something you need to work at, drop your finger down. Are you ready for this? If it's something that you're good at, leave your finger up. If you're not good at it, drop it down. Come on, everyone do it. Everyone do it. First, first one was, I, I can't do it and press the button at the same time. Personal time with Jesus, quiet times. If you're doing that well, keep your thumb up. If it sucks, drop it down. Mentoring. Are you in a mentoring relationship? If you're good at it, leave it up. If you suck at it, drop it down. Life group. Are you in a life group? If you are, keep it up. If not, drop it down. Gathering on Sundays regularly. Well, you're here. That's Okay. Are you serving? And are you deliberate about sharing Jesus with people? How many did you get out of six? You like your answer. How many did you get out of six? Four. Five. Three and a half. Five. Will you just give me a high five, TK? High five. Anyone else? You like their answer? Six? Oh, Kylie. Five and a half. Was that a half? That looked like a half to me. Anyone else? Come on, read it. Yell at your answers. Be honest. Mr. X? Three. Judy? Three. Beryl? Three. Good. Anyone else? Be honest. Two? One? Anyone else? Five. Good. Hey, let's be deliberate about these six things. Six things. What is one thing you're going to change this week? If you've got three, don't aim for three. Aim for one. What's one thing you're going to do differently this week? Is it, is it deliberate in quiet times? Is it getting to a life group? Is it finding a mentor? Is it deliberate about serving? Is it getting to Sundays? Is it sharing your faith? What's one thing? Turn to the person next to you. Tell them that one thing. What's the one thing? Turn to the person next to you. Tell them what it is. Ten seconds. Five seconds. Three, two, one. I'm going to pray. Let's stand together. Let's pray together. Let's stand together and pray. Father, we want to thank you for this morning. Father, we want to thank you that you call us to be in community. And a lot of this stuff's around other people. Father, we want to be deliberate in living in the freedom and the purpose that you have for our lives. God, we want to be deliberate in getting real and taking action. 
And God, we've talked about six things this morning that can help do that. And Father, for those that need to be more deliberate in their quiet times, Lord, I pray that you would remind them and that you would give them by your Holy Spirit the power to, to, to do daily time with you. For those that need a mentor, God, or know they should be mentoring, Father, I pray that you would reveal to them the person who's a bit further down the track than them, that they can ask to be a mentor. For those that aren't part of life groups, Father, make it, Father I pray that they'll be deliberate in, in, um, in talking to Ken about which group to be a part of. For those of us who don't turn up to Sundays regularly, Lord, I pray that you will show us the importance of that and we'll make it a priority. For those of us that aren't serving, Father, show us the area where you want us to serve. Help us to be deliberate, Lord, in serving you. And finally, for those who, who don't yet know Jesus, Father, we pray for opportunities. And God, as your scripture says in Romans 10, that we'll be deliberate to share our faith. We'll share our faith with others. God, use us for your glory that we would see many hundreds and even thousands come to know Christ as Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.